And then I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, World War II is pretty cool. Yeah, Hitler and Jesus were kind of similar in certain ways. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Mitch. Oh, no. You're listening to the Art and War podcast with your host, Mitch and Nathan. Mitch is a former Airborne Infantry squad leader who now spends most of his time coaching soccer. Nathan is a professional illustrator and an avid shooter with a couple of years of Canadian military experience. Together, they run the Seaburn Art page. Enjoy the show. Still don't really have an intro. I mean, we do. We have, like, that music. Yeah, I mean, we, mm-hmm. we tried. Yeah, we, we've got... Yeah. Yeah, that's... But past, past that, we just kind of cold open, and usually they're terrible. Yeah. Like <laughs> no, this one. Do you know who does our open? <laughs> uh, like, the music in the beginning? You said that you, you listen. Do you know whose voice that is? Carrie, right? Oh, okay. Ha! Yeah, so it is... <laughs> yep, you're the... On the first try. Nobody's ever said anything about yeah. it, and I was so surprised. I'm like, oh, everybody's going to know this is Carrie, because this is Carrie's voice. Like, yeah, people know who yeah. Carrie is, and nobody has said anything yeah, about it. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, oh, there's a familiar voice. It was kind of You're the first nice. person to call it. Yeah. First person. <laughs> which it's which I, is weird. Her voice is like pretty distinct. Like pretty recognizable. Distinct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, hello, Carrie. You're probably not listening to this, but you just got yeah. fucking outed, I guess. I don't know. Maybe she does. Helping some degenerates. I don't think she does. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people just send her podcasts. They're like, hey, listen to my podcast. Even though she knows that ours is like a thing, because she probably did the, she did the uh audio for it. But regardless, you literally did the intro. To yeah, it. I won <laughs> exchange for a drawing of her. Yeah, dog. Carrie, if Aww. if you are listening to this, I'm kind of curious if you do just like shoot us a DM and call us retarded or something. I'm really curious if you listen or not. <laughs> <laughs> she probably doesn't listen. Um, so uh, today we're joined with uh, Lady Liberty, I guess. Lady Liberty, Lady Voluntary. <laughs> not lady liberty <laughs> fuck that up already tried. lady voluntary i actually did i i did start a blog once a long time ago before lady voluntary called civil lady liberty so oh so that's close enough not too far off yeah you do a blog now what's that called um right now it's um it's a parenting blog called modern times parenting modern time parenting and and what do you really focus on there like obviously parenting but yeah so it's i kind of for a while i've been wanting to write more about like applying libertarian or anarchist principles to parenting because there's a lot of people who like you know think the non-aggression principle is like a good principle to live by but then they kind of forget to apply it to like parenting their kids and stuff so it's kind of just a reminder to libertarians and also to people who aren't as familiar with libertarian principles to maybe think about raising their kids in a slightly less authoritarian way so we can hopefully get generations of less authoritarian people and less submissive people. So I'm actually about to be a dad in about a week or whenever yeah. my wife, uh, I know whenever my wife goes into labor, I'm, I'm very excited. We're having a little girl. Um, oh, that's so exciting. What's probably, what are give me some pointers. I know this is supposed to be, like a podcast, but I kind of want to, <laughs> I'm being selfish. Give me, give me some pointers for being like a new dad that, uh, oh. I mean, you honestly, there's a lot of it that's just out of your control mm-hmm. and you, people will give you advice and some of it will stick and some of it just makes no sense. Like I remember, I think I might've told you this before actually, but I remember like people used to always tell me sleep when the baby sleeps and like the newborn stage, they sleep a lot but it's like in short intervals Mm -hmm. so it's like if you take a nap with a baby who's sleeping for 20 minutes for me when i wake up from a 20 minute nap like i'm 
crankier than I would have been before if I wouldn't have taken that. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that did not work for me. So I just had to get used to like not sleeping basically. Um, but I don't know. I think a lot of it is intuitive. Like you'll, you'll figure it out. Like nobody knows what they're doing when they first have kids. I mean, I have three kids now and I still don't know, really know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you'll get it. Well, that's kind of what I was, I was thinking. I'm like, uh, I mean, everybody always has not like freaks out, but they always act like having a kid is the biggest like obstacle in their life. And I mean, I don't have a kid yet, so I can't speak about it, but I feel like that if you go into it with that mindset, then it's going to become that. And I mean, yeah, it's a kid. I mean, it's, it's an infant. They shit, they cry and then they <laughs> sleep and you just have to make sure that they don't die. Yeah, exactly. And it, uh, yeah, a lot of people go into it or people who don't have kids think of kids as just a burden. And so when you go into it right away with that, you know, that with that thought, it kind of becomes a burden then instead of like a relationship. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, but you could, I mean, kids are pretty tough. Like it's for being a little baby, they're actually pretty tough. So it's kind of hard to mess it up too bad. <laughs> like really all it is, it's like, Oh, they might need a diaper change. They might need a bath. They might need to eat. They might need to sleep. It's gotta be one of those four things. <laughs> so it's like, it's pretty easy to figure out. I mean, it's, a, it's really difficult. Don't get me wrong. Mostly because you're lacking sleep, but it's, I don't know. I think it's pretty great. I had three kids. So, I mean, I recommend it. <laughs> and you homeschool, don't you? Well, my oldest is five, so he's technically going to be starting kindergarten. So we haven't started it yet, but this coming fall, we're going to try a little bit to see how he does with like a little bit more of like a formal schooling in homeschool. So like we might try a couple workbooks or something, but for the most part so far, it's mostly just been learning through play and stuff. Do you um, have any plans on putting your kids in any uh, extracurriculars? Sorry, I'm speaking with a mouthful of broccoli. This is yeah. not good podcasting. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we've. I mean, the, he's been. My oldest has been doing soccer since he was like 18 months old. Ooh. Yeah. Soccer. So, yeah, soccer. He's. <laughs> yeah. So he's. I mean, when they're 18 months old, it's basically just kind of running around and. Yeah. Chasing you know, a ball. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually really hilarious and highly entertaining. So. It's really fun to do, but um, yeah, he's my oldest has been in soccer and he just finished t-ball a t-ball season. Um, we've tried music classes, so there's stuff we've done. So, do you think like do do you and your um, do you and your partner have like a like a connection with soccer? Or is it just like uh, we're putting our kid in soccer or anything? Like, is there any like person? Yeah. My yeah, my husband was in soccer in high school, uh -huh. and then he's just always kind of been into the... You shouldn't have know. said that. Mitch is never going to shut the fuck up. I <laughs> love yeah. soccer. Yeah, so my husband likes watching it, and so he, I think he just always wanted his kids to get into it, too. So Yeah, that's one thing that I've done for my kid already, and she's not even born. I have a, <laughs> I have a spot secured for her in the, one of the top soccer academies in America. No matter where we are, Amazing. they have a club in the East Coast, the West Coast, and Central. Um, they have a club, wow. and uh, they're not American; they're Spanish. And okay. I've done work for them before, and I was like, "Hey, like, how do I get my kid in?" They're like, "Oh, 
you scouted for us before, so you can just put her in whenever you want. So when she's two years old, she's going to be wow. in that academy. I'm awesome. super passionate about it. I think, I mean, obviously I don't want to like force her to like be passionate about things that yeah. I am, but I feel like mm-hmm. up until a certain age or maturity level, you kind of have to like force your kids to do shit. Like you, um, you introduce it to them at least. Yeah. I mean, when they're like that age, they're going to have fun anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, for me, like if like my son didn't want to do soccer anymore, like he's five now, if he didn't want to do soccer, if he didn't want to do t-ball, like I'm not going to force him to do it because mm-hmm. he's at that age now where it's like he can make that decision for himself. Um, but again, he is also kind of an introvert. So sometimes it, you know, it's kind of like, well, you can try it, you know, and you might have fun. So you kind of do have to nudge him a little bit. But I think with some kids, they just if they don't want to do it, I have no problem them just doing whatever they want. I'm, I'm honestly a very lax parent. I think I'll, I'll probably be the same. I have a lot of mm-hmm. passions that I really hope my daughter does, but if she doesn't like, it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, I hope, and, and that's the cool thing about me and my wife. We are so vastly different that yeah. <laughs> she's going to be exposed to so many different unique things. And I just think that's, super invaluable. Like my wife is an artist. Um, she, she's a commissioned artist and a writer. Um, I love sports. Um, and somehow Mitch, not, not to cut you off, but totally to cut you off. I think the, the phrase, my wife is a commissioned artist has come up (laughs) like word for word in the exact phrase, uh, in every single episode we have done. Sorry, continue. All right. I'll, I'll rephrase it. My wife does paintings for money. Okay. <laughs> she paints stuff for money and she's into biology and super smart. I have to throw nice. that out. It's not like it's not like I'm plugging her page where you can go and like buy art from her. I'm just stating the fact that that is no. what she does. Yes. You're I I, I don't even her. believe your your wife has an online presence. No, not really. Uh, it's all word of mouth for her. Yeah. But it's it's done yeah. pretty well. I tell her she yeah. should make a social media for it, but what do I know? It's not like I. Yeah, but social media sucks. Yeah. What do I know about social media? You know. <laughs> um. So, are you and your husband kind of like similar, or are you like different, like me and my wife are? We're pretty different. Like he's super extroverted and like big into socializing. He loves sports and competition, and I'm like I'm like the least competitive person on the planet. Like in gym class, like in gym class and sports. I just, I didn't care. And like, I still don't care. Like if I'm playing a board game, I don't really care if I win. Like I'm and my husband on the, on the other hand is like, he likes to win. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, I mean, we have similar like philosophies and stuff, but otherwise we're, we're kind of different. Yeah. I like your husband so far. (laughs) Yeah. You guys would get along. I love that. Um, (laughs) so home, are you going to homeschool your kids like all the way through? I mean, that's the plan for now. I figured at least while they're young enough where I feel like they don't, they can't really make that decision yet, then I'll homeschool them. If they get older, like teenage years and like really for some reason want, want to try a traditional school, then I'm not going to like force them to stay home. Right. I mean, I probably won't put them in a public, I probably won't put them in a public school, but if they want to do like a traditional private school or something, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I see value in both 
I went to public school, mm-hmm. my wife went to private school, and we've talked about homeschooling. I think public mm-hmm. school taught me not to trust people and <laughs> and just how to yeah. like navigate through really awkward and shitty situations <laughs> with teachers and kids just because it was it's a public school. <laughs> She, yeah. she went to a very small private school where I think she graduated with like 20 people and she learned just how to learn, um, which mm-hmm. is super valuable. But I think homeschooling, yeah. like you can take away all the bullshit that public school has and private school has to teach you and kind of just be like, hey, like mm-hmm. this is how it actually kind of is, you know, as opposed to yeah, this is a watered down version of something or we're not going to talk about this or we're going to talk about mm-hmm. this but only specific aspects of it and not the stuff that makes us look terrible. Um, yeah. Well, and kids, like every person learns in such a different way that it's like the traditional public school and even a lot of private schools, like it's just such a one size fits all approach to learning. Mm-hmm. And most people actually don't excel in that kind of environment. There are some kids who do like, obviously you get your valed- valedictorians and whatever, and they're, They excel really well in that setting, but most kids don't. So for me, it's like, I'm going to just keep them home, figure out like what their learning style is. Cause if they're just like hands-on and they just learn best, you know, playing or gardening or whatever, then that's, that's great. If it turns out my son is like really good with a workbook sitting at at a desk learning, then awesome, you know? So it's just, for me, it's like, I just kind of want to figure out their learning styles before you know, forcing them into a school, like a traditional school. Did, were you homeschooled or what was your upbringing like? No, well, I went to a private Catholic school up until fourth grade and then fourth grade up, I went to a public school and then I did college after that too, like a state university, but no, I was public school most of it. What did you study in college? Um, I have a degree in English rhetoric and writing with a minor in philosophy. Did you ever use that degree? No. No? It was worthless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was great because I met my husband, but I, like all the work I've done after that, it was like customer service and like fashion. And now I, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't use it now other than, I guess, writing my blog and Lady Voluntary Post, but that's about it. A lot of anarchists I know come from philosophy backgrounds, like a strange amount. Yeah. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. Which is funny because in my philosophy classes, they were all like really kind of woke. and Oh, like, same. Fucking same. Yeah. And so for me, I was like really frustrated with those classes. But I guess if you are taking a lot of philosophy classes, you kind of learn different, um, I don't know, beliefs and whatnot. So you kind of force yourself to critically think about, you know, different beliefs and institutions and what they actually stand for. So you kind of have to force yourself to think things deep, more deeper. What's up gang? It's BR, producer of the show. I'll only interrupt for a brief second as this conversation is killer and putting me at ease about homeschooling my own kids down the line. I have a quick spiel for you about our new Patreon hero, Arn Ward, and how you can support the show while getting inside of perks. 
With five different tiers of patronage, you can get access from all the content Instagram doesn't like, the lads' downloadable archive of guides and art, behind the scenes and spicy memes, and at our highest tier, receive a custom piece of digital art from Nathan every month. Help us rescue Nathan from behind the maple curtain and bring him to the land of the, kinda free. Put brass in our mags, bourbon on my table, and continue to improve the show and IG page content. You can find a link for that in the description of the show or in the bio of the Seaburn Art page on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and now let's get back to the show. I, I tried going to college during COVID. That was my first experience with college. It was so fucking miserable. Yeah. As a, I saw your grades. <laughs> yeah. As, as a mid 20, as a mid, I'm like 25, um, as a 25 year old who has kind of seen the world a little bit, who has worked outside of, you know, the military already. And I went to college and I was just amazed by how little there is that is actually taught it's it's all just opinions like everything is an opinion and i asked one of my college professors i was like like why in english class am i having to give an opinion on animal rights like i don't know enough about <laughs> animals to understand like if they have rights or not and i am not a person that should be qualified to say that yes or no definitively <laughs> he's like well college is all about learning how to present your opinion I'm like, I know how to present my opinion. I can present my opinion mm-hmm. in a in a kind in a mean way or on paper. Like I can present an opinion. Like, am I gonna learn anything else? He's like, Well, <laughs> not in these classes. I'm like, well, well, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> <laughs> it was so frustrating. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I I, di- I did take a, a philosophy class. And when I did pay attention, it was mostly just like you guys said, it was like woke. Like it was just mm-hmm. so, yeah. it was cringy. It was almost cringy, like hearing people talk about, because it, it always went back to politics. And it was just so cringy, mm-hmm. just the worshiping of politicians that went into <laughs> philosophy somehow. Like I was just sitting there just cringing and hating my life. Um, yeah, for me, it was like either they were really woke and like cringy, like you were saying, or they were like super, like a super old professor and just like really dry and boring. Mm. So I was like, I, I was like, if I could have had like a really good philosophy professor, like that would have been so fun. But they were all either just really lame and woke or old and boring. I honestly think that the uh, ac- academics, especially in a higher level, is so fucked now. So absolutely mm-hmm. fucked. Um, university is something that uh, I'll, I, I've been doing this most of my adult life. I'll you know do a few years, finish something out, then decide get bored, come back a few years <laughs> later, do something else, get frustrated, leave. My, my grades have been okay, and I have like four degrees that are a few <laughs> degree, a few classes away from just kind of finishing out. And apparently, I hate money and I hate time, <laughs> but I just never. And it's it's usually for similar reasons. It's the the whole kind of work woke culture and everything else that's permeated academics is disgusting <laughs> and it's exhausting. And the whole, strangely enough, um, I, I took a gender studies class way back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and I got along with the teacher great. She was 
she she was a woke person, but she was a full, you know, establishment hating, burn it all down nice. anarchist. <laughs> and we didn't agree on a lot of things. I think one of the like I, I kind of decided to stir the pot in one one uh one time and put in a very irrelevant essay on why machine guns should be legal. Yeah. And somehow <laughs> she loved that and we, we got along great and somehow that was one of my few A pluses I eked out that year. And yeah, but I, I feel like that's very much the that's exception, awesome. not the rule. Yeah, that seems pretty rare. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nathan, did you go to a public school growing up in Canada or private school? Or what What does homeschooling uh, look like in Canada, actually? I'm kind of curious. That I actually have no idea. I grew up in a city for the most part. And like I, I went to school in a bunch of places. I, I went to school in England, went to school in like Abu Dhabi and the United Arab Emirates, went to school all over the place. I think over, you know, the 12 years of school, I went to nine or 10 um just moved around a lot and some were private some were public some were you know holes in the ground they were all very different um i i but i can tell you this with certainty i have never met a homeschooled kid not really oh wow. at the very least if i have they did not present that information to me which it's not exactly something that comes up in conversation yeah i've been out of school for about half my life now and I don't know. It's, I've just never met anyone. It's not the sort of information I think you just kind of voluntarily tell someone. I might be wrong. Right. But because um, um, some of the, the most well-adjusted people I know, at least online, which it's online, mm-hmm. have been homeschooled. In person, n- never had an experience. I grew up in a small town where the homeschooled folks were the ones that were also raised in the church. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was raised very religious. Um, I was raised, um, um, Lutheran, Lutheran Christian, and I was like an altar boy. I did Sunday school. I did Bible class. I was a VBS instructor at one or teacher at one point. Um, Mm. and that's where the homeschooled kids were. And they participated in like extracurriculars, like at, at my school, like at my public school. But other than that, like I never, I never saw them except for at church and sports. They were always really nice kids. There were some that turned out really awkward, but I think that's because <laughs> their parents like didn't socialize them. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That's, I think that's kind of similar to my experience with homeschooled kids too. They were always like from like a religious background. There weren't a lot, like I didn't know a lot of them, but yeah. the few that I did know were like, mostly religious and then my although it's kind of the opposite like they were all very like um like well socialized like a lot less awkward than I was like I was kind of an awkward kid I'm still kind of awkward like meeting new people so (laughs) for me it's like the opposite experience like oh they must you must have been well socialized or something because yeah I've I've got like kind of a half-baked theory and that's the the fact that the kids are growing up in a really tight-knit community Whereas we don't really have that these days, despite, you know, what, what people say, oh, the kid has to go to school, the kid ha- and get well socialized. Well, you still don't have that community aspect. You don't really have mm. people who are always there for you. You've got your family that probably works nine to five, gets home, puts on a TV show and then makes a microwave dinner or even cooks or <laughs> I don't know. But like what, how many kids in the city can tell you who your neighbors are? Yeah. Or, I'm just postulating. I'm really spitballing here, but I mean, I see it. Well, and in schools, like everybody's always like, oh, you got to take, you got to, you know, take them to a public school or traditional school because they need to socialize. But like in school for me, it's like every time I got in trouble in school, it was because I was socializing 
Yeah. So mm. it's not necessarily that they want you to socialize there. Yeah. You do because you're around other kids, but it's not like they try to foster a good social environment. Yeah. It's like yeah. they 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 want you to just like obey and listen. Yeah. Yeah. You well, get I in think trouble. it's like anything else the government tries to do. It's it's done with you know certain intentions in mind. For example, oh well, you have to send the kids to school. They have to get socialized, and then the government does it, and they do just the worst, most half-assed yeah. <laughs> version possible that actually works contrary to shocking. Yeah, that's just me. Well, shocking. and especially now during like this whole COVID time when kids probably oh, can't shit. even sit next to each other, or they can't yeah. look at each other's faces, or you know, it's yeah. I can't imagine during recess they they sit outside in the schoolyard six feet apart just with yeah. a mask on. Right. You know, you got kids in band like sitting in little plastic tents with tubas sticking out the top. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a clown world. Yeah. I was, totally I was kind of talking about it on a previous podcast about my little brothers um, in high school and how everything is so polarized with politics now, which is yeah, strange yeah. because growing up, like I remember, I don't know how it was for you two, but for us, we would have political discussions like a couple times a year. Like if there was an election coming up and yeah. we would, like debate intensely for like middle and high schoolers. Like we were all fucking stupid, but <laughs> we were all just like <laughs> mimicking what we saw on TV and what our parents said. But yeah. at the yeah. end of it, like we were just go to lunch and recess and still hang out and be friends. And I'm right from yeah. what I'm being told by my little brothers. And from what I see from the school that I work for as a director of soccer, it's happening not only with my little brothers, but here too, where political discussions are being brought into a classroom and they're creating a polarizing environment where they like ruin friendships, which is so yeah. bizarre that politics are ruining friendships in school yeah. at a young age, because what are they going to yeah, grow up to like be like? They're going to grow up to hate the other side because that's what they learned in middle and high school. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, and it's yeah. sad too because the teachers have obviously have their political biases too. So, yeah, you know, if you if they're talking politics all the time and the kids, one kid disagrees with you know what the teacher believes that you know you know that teacher is going to treat them differently. Like it's yeah. just yeah. going to happen, and that's like that should not be the case at all. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I saw a video of a of a teacher freaking out, and it was kind of a supercut. You know, telling the kid, you know, if you, oh, you support Trump, you're a bigot, so and so. Like, I absolutely will shut you down. I will. Um, just all sorts Ugh. of crazy stuff. The teacher got fired when the the video came wow. out, but I'm sure there's lots of it. And you know, yeah, it, it's put like it, school should be apolitical. I think people should be able to express their opinions, and I think they should be taught to express those opinions and debate and learn about politics in a healthy way. But yeah. I'm no, I'm I'm homeschooling my kids. <laughs> They're going to get all kinds of uh, of recreation and social time and everything else, and you know, sports and art and music and literally everything else. But if someone is taking my child's time for eight hours of the day, it's not going to be the state. Yeah, I hear you, and it's it's. I think it's going to be good for homeschoolers, you know, in the fu- in the near future because I was reading something about like Wisconsin's history with homeschooling. And it used to be not too long ago, like maybe 15 years ago, where like there was no like protection for homeschooling. Like parents would have to like homeschool their kids with like their blinds shut and their curtains closed. And like if the, uh, yeah, and like cops would come to their house and like be, they'd have to like hide their kids because there was like, they wanted the kids to be in school. 
like in a school, if you weren't at a school, you were like considered truant. So there, there's, just because there was no protection for homeschooling, there was like nothing in the law for homeschooling. So they just assumed all the kids had to be in school. That's and then, insane. Yeah. So, yeah. And now in the past, I think it must have been like 10 or 15 years ago. I don't remember. They passed like some legislation to like protect homeschoolers and like as long as you do so many hours and you know let the state know that you're homeschooling then you can homeschool and now i think even with since covid so many more people are homeschooling and there's just so many more like online resources and it just seems like the homeschooling community in general is growing so there'll be more opportunities for kids to socialize and you know do extracurriculars outside of the school system well, and COVID was something that I feel kind of encouraged that almost because mm-hmm. kids were at home and parents yeah, home were home too. Record numbers. Yeah, parents were home too. And they were like, all right, fuck it. I need to stimulate my kid because they're driving me fucking insane. Um, and I feel like that is something that is going to continue to grow because people are starting, whether they're left or right, they're starting to see the downsides of sending their kid to a public school and how they can just do it themselves and teach them what they want to teach them and how to learn. It can, I guess it could be harmful too, because if you have like one extreme, like right wing parent, who's like, no, fuck the liberals, you know, like I'm (laughs) only going to teach them conservative values. Gays are fucking terrible. Like all this, all this, like, like my dad was hardcore, (laughs) hardcore (laughs) right-wing person. I'll never forget it in middle school. I told him that a friend of mine, um, Trevor, I'm like, oh dad, like Trevor's gay. Like I was cool with it at the time. And he looked at me, I'll never forget it. He looked at me, he's like, Mitchell, when you decide to become gay, that's when you get AIDS. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and I, I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, I'm only in middle school, but like, I kind of know a little bit about science and disease. And I don't think that's how that works. But there are people like that. And that's, I mean, that's how my father is. And I can only imagine if my father homeschooled me, like how I would be now. Um, Because I already for, you know, a little bit of my adult life for a short while, I was already like a hardcore Republican because of him. So I imagine like, that homeschooling can result in similar things, but it can also be a beautiful yeah. thing. Kind of like, I think what you're doing where I feel it's more, Hey, like we're going to teach you stuff, but at the end of the day, like you're your own person, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think what you were saying about like with COVID, a lot of parents were like seeing like their kids doing virtual school, like with their public school teachers, and then like realizing that a lot of it is such a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason a kid needs to be sitting in school for six to eight hours, like locked in a building because half that time isn't even learning. Like most homeschoolers, if they like actually have subjects like the same way a school does, they do it in like a few hours a day at most. And then they have the rest of the day to do whatever they want to do. Like you don't have to spend eight hours a day doing it. And I think that's a lot, a big reason why people are afraid of homeschooling is they think they can't do it because they think that they have to mimic traditional schooling at home where you have to sit, you know, eight o'clock to 3 PM doing schoolwork and 
that's just not possible for a lot of people, but that's just so not the case. Like you do not have to do that. Yeah. And studies have shown time and time and time and time and time again, that's not the most efficient way to teach kids. You can do twice mm-hmm. as much in half as much time if you do it right. And mm-hmm. the, a lot of places get it right. A lot of places get it wrong. We get it wrong. Um, but there, there's peer review. And I, I hate, I hate <laughs> referencing fucking studies. And I hate, you know, how political it all is. But it, it has been proven that, you know, the system that we have of, of schooling is really, really, really inefficient. And you mm-hmm. can, especially if you're willing to take the time with the child, teach them a lot more in less time and teach them better. Yeah. And I think people tend to learn more when they're learning about something that interests them. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I don't enjoy science, like science and math. I hated those. And so for me, it's like, what, why did I need to learn all this stuff about geometry if I'm never going to use it? Like they think, oh, well, it's, it's good to learn it because you might need it someday. But it's like, then I'll learn it then if I need to. But it's like, for now, I would rather be, you know, reading literature or, you know, getting really good at some other kind of skill that I should be focusing on and just becoming really good at that one skill instead of being like really subpar at all these other skills. That's a discussion that I have with so many adults that the, the excuse that I always hear, I don't want, maybe not an excuse. The reason I always hear from them where I'm like, why should I have to learn shit that I know in my soul, I'm never, ever going to use. Mm-hmm. And the excuse is, well, you never know when you might need to use it. And it's good to have like a broad knowledge on things. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. Like, like that is a good sentiment. And that's a sentiment I push with guns and training. Like I, I get it. But if I know, like I'm the same way, math and science never interested in me at all. I always mm-hmm. loved reading. I loved writing. Um, I loved English. I loved history. I knew in my soul ever since like middle school, before middle school, I'm like, I'm never, ever going to fucking do anything that involves math and science. I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why am I spending so much time a day half-assing? Because you half-ass it when you don't want to do it. Half-assing, mm-hmm. wasting time, doing shit I don't care about that I'm never going to use in my life, that I know I'm never going to use in my life, when I could be dedicating that to maybe – like like my athletics if I wanted to or reading if I wanted to or something that genuinely interests me to where I can be really proficient at something as a kid and then translate that into being an adult as opposed to this broad general knowledge and shit that isn't even a broad general knowledge because standardized testing, at least in New York, is dog shit. So I remember we have regents. I think New York is one of the last two states in the country to have regents. I think it's New York, New York and California. And you have to pass these regents in the five main subjects. For social studies, I bullshitted it. So, or global, I think it was called. Global and social studies, same thing. I bullshitted it and wrote a compare and contrast essay between Hitler and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and i i got like an 86 on it i i bullshitted the fuck out of this and i got like an 80 like something like mid 80s and i passed and i just remember thinking i'm like i i i wrote the most dog shit garbage essay and somehow got like a good grade <laughs> oh well now i'm curious what what are some ways that 
Hitler and Jesus are similar. Okay, yeah. so Hitler and Jesus <laughs> and just fucking tease us, Mitch. both worshipped by the people <laughs> around them. They both believed that they were doing good things. They both died and were martyred. Um, maybe Hitler not so much long term. You were such an edgy kid. Not Mitch. not long term. <laughs> yeah, that that was my compare. Well, I grew up extremely religious, and I was still religious at this yeah. time in my life. So mm-hmm. I knew all about Jesus. Yeah. I read the Bible mm-hmm. cover to cover yeah. a couple times, and then I'm like, "Oh my!" God. I'm like, "World War II is pretty cool." Yeah, Hitler and Jesus were kind of similar <laughs> in certain ways. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Oh, Mitch! Oh no! Oh, there's some uh, some FBI it. agents who might want to talk to you. Look, I don't think Hitler was a good person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not comparing their what they did in life being similar. They both took vastly different approaches, but. They were both worshipped. Pat Khaki boy is going to be fucking knocking they were, the door right after this airs. They were worshipped <laughs> by their people. Absolutely worshipped. They had people blindly yeah. following them. They both believed they were doing good things. And, you know, at the end of the day, one is considered to be one of the worst peoples in history, and the other is still worshipped as, like, the epitome of a good person. So... Oh my God, Mitch! You were so fucking. There you go. Yeah, that was that was me in middle school. I don't. <laughs> I lost what I had. I had something. I don't. Oh my God! I'm gonna fucking inomni pathway you feel your spirit you sanctity. Just so everybody um, knows, I don't share the same beliefs that I did when I was in fucking high school. It was just an essay <laughs> I wrote. Voice clips that are gonna come. Well, out to be fair, to be fair, you probably had a lot of like differences between the two too. Right? Yeah, no, there were definitely differences. So you know, there were yeah. there were differences. It was compare and contrast how they were similar and how they were different, and they were yeah, very different, yeah. obviously. Right. It's it's more over the. It's just felt funny. I'm just yeah. ragging on you because it's <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah, uh, that was my that was my Regents essay in. Uh, I think so. That's the other thing too. Um, I was super smart in English and global, contrary to the essay that I wrote. Um, but maybe I was just good at bullshitting the tests. You could take them. So you you're supposed to take all your regions in your senior year, twelfth grade. But if you're confident enough, you can apply to take them two years early, and then you don't have to take those classes for tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. So in 10th grade, I took global regents and English regents, and I passed both of them. So I didn't have to take global or English for the rest of my time in school. So I just had a lot of free time. And with that free time, I turned into an asshole where I would skip school and just, I was a, I was a fucking shithead student. I would, I would leave high school. The, the, the stereotype, you know, grew up in a conservative, small town, religious family, started skipping school. You know, smoking weed, then you join the army. I used to take the train with my friend Chris to New York City, like daily, just not going to school. And I, I was such a dickhead about it. Uh, there's a teacher I reached. I We actually connected recently, uh, Miss Cavanaugh. Um, but her name was Tracy, and I found that out at a young age. And I would just be in her class. I'd walk in and be like, hey, Tracy, I'm going to go get sandwiches from lawyers. She'd be like, you can't leave. And I'm like, no, I'll be back. You want anything? And I would just leave and come back. Maybe I would bring her like a bag of chips or something. I don't know. I was an asshole. I was a terrible fucking student. And I recognize that. At least you brought her chips. You could have yeah. not brought her chips. Well, she yeah. was one of my favorite teachers. I loved her. She was awesome. Um, 
we talked recently. I asked her, like, because I'm, I'm the director of soccer, as I said earlier, for a school around here. And I asked her, I'm like, what's something that you wish, like, an athletic director would do for you, like, as a teacher with your students? And we just kind of connected over that. Hmm. But homeschooling. Anyways, um, <laughs> do you plan – because in, in New York, it might be different where you're at. In New York, if you're homeschooled, hmm. you still have to take the standardized testing and pass. Is that something that – is where you are? No, in Wisconsin, our homeschool laws are pretty lax. So you just have to get like, I think it's 875 hours, a school, like a year, like a calendar year. Um, and then just kind of keep track of that. And then you just have to fill out a form at the beginning of like in September, just letting them know that you're homeschooling. But other than that, we don't have to do a standardized tests or take us do a specific curriculum or anything. So you as a parent, can just bullshit that and be like, yeah, we did this many hours, even if you did more or less. Yeah. It's super easy to get the hours because you could count like going to the grocery store as like math, you know, like this, you know, adding up how much something costs or even just like looking at the cost of something or, you know, it could be like home economics or whatever. So you can, it's really easy to get the hours and you don't have to like separate in our state. Anyway, you don't have to like say we did this many hours on math, this many hours on science. You just have to have 875 hours and that's it. And you don't even have, well, the weird thing about it is you don't even have to report that to anybody. You just have to keep track of it in case for some reason, the state is like checking up on you for whatever reason. Well, that's so scary. To think that they, yeah. they're like, they could show up to your door, anybody, I don't know who it would be from the state that shows up, knock on your door, be like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm here to check on if you're teaching your kid shit. What the I fuck? Know. I would get the yeah, fuck off it's my ridiculous. property. Exactly. I know my thoughts. Exactly. So, but I mean, I think it's like, if like, for some reason your family's involved with like CPS or you've had like reports of abuse or some weird neighbor, like thinks you're indoctrinating your kids or something i don't know homeschooling is something that <laughs> i i know me and my wife could do mm -hmm. i just don't know if we're going to do it i i think there's so mm -hmm. much good with it and i recognize mm -hmm. there's so much good with it maybe it's just me being lazy <laughs> i don't know it's well there's this other thing called unschooling where, I mean, I guess I don't know in New York, it might be kind of more difficult to do it there, but I've actually read that you should be able to unschool in all 50 states. It just, you might have to find loopholes, but basically you don't do any kind of formal school at all. You just live your life. You know, they shadow you. Like if you're, if you have your own business or something, your kids just like come to work with you or they just, you know, work on whatever they're interested in at the time. And then just completely like, you don't do any school. It's just living life. And then they just learn that way. And a lot of people have a lot of success with it. For me, I'm still kind of in like the same traditional school mindset because I went to a traditional school. So it's like really difficult for me to like wrap my head around that. But at the same time, like my oldest is five. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And we've done no schooling up until now. My kid knows the alphabet, you know, like he can read a few things. He's got like an insane vocabulary, my oldest. And like, he knows stuff like about sports that I don't know about. Like he, like a couple of years ago, he could tell you like the entire like Brewers team. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, how did you learn that? Like, I don't know that. 
So it's like they learn stuff. You don't have to like necessarily sit them down with a textbook or a curriculum and they can still like flourish. So, I mean, if you, if you think you're, you know, you don't have the skills to be a teacher, you don't have to be in order to homeschool. Hmm. I get, it's weird. I know it's weird to think about because we've are, we've grown up for generations now going to like this traditional school and you think that's the only way to learn. So it's really, really difficult to get out of that mindset of, well, you don't actually have to do that. I guess my biggest concern after hearing that would be teaching my kids like the basics like things you don't know. like basic math like the shit i don't yeah. know i i'm confident that's a cool thing about me and my wife and why i think homeschooling could be so beneficial we're so vastly different in everything that we do that it would mm-hmm. be so much exposure but my biggest concern would be like i can't like how do i teach my kid basic math like multiplication division because i'm fucking retarded i don't even remember <laughs> half of it Um, I'm sure my wife could, and that's something where I'm like, okay, my wife can do that because she's like the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Well, also like Mitch, don't put yourself in a box. I feel like, especially as an adult, it's a lot easier to learn these concepts. Like, uh, I, I, I've always been terrible at math and just basically everything to do with numbers. And I I was uh, talking to a teacher the other day about that. And she talked about, um, you know how there's that stereotype, you know, you're good at English, so you're bad at math. You're good at math, so you're bad at English. You're good at history and English, but you're terrible at chemistry and biology. Like, that's not really a thing, and fostering it hurts kids more than it actually helps them. Um, I, I kind of put myself in that I'm good at English, but I'm terrible at math box as, as a kid, and I just kind of believed that most of my life. And I, I was terrible at it. I got, you know, 60s and 70s in math. I, I found it very boring. I found it... Like, I I was just not good at it, no matter what I really did. And a lot of the reason was, you know, I I look at myself and I say, I'm just not good at math. That's just not me. However, I am good at English and I'm good at history and, you know, things like that. So as as a grown ass adult, I revisited math because I fucking have to. I'm taking accounting of all like boring, you know, middle class fucking (laughs) like, hey, I'm bored. I hate money studies. Um and I found as a grown ass adult that did not put myself in that kind of box, I'm actually okay at it. The key, the big difference is one, I, I'm an adult and I actually like give a shit about learning. Now I'm spending money on it. But two, I'm not putting myself in that box of, oh, well, I'm bad at math. And suddenly like I'm, I'm getting, you know, A's and A pluses and B pluses and things like that in things that I was previously terrible at. And uh, it, the only difference was my age and my mindset. So I think, Mitch, like you go back and you revisit basic mathematics with your grown adult brain knowing, hey, maybe I'm not actually bad at this. Maybe I have to learn how to do this in order to teach my child how to properly, you know, you don't exactly have to do calculus. You don't have to teach her how how to about like radio radiation decay and finding the maximum minimal values of a function. <laughs> you can just go back and like, Hey, how do I do long division and how do I do multiplication? Things like that. And it will probably come to you a lot easier than it did when you were a bored teenager. That's a great point too, because like, like you said, like you 
you had to kind of force yourself to relearn math because you were taking this accounting class. And it's like, okay, so if you, if you're unschooling, you don't have to sit down with your kid to teach them basic math. They'll get to a point in their life where they're like, shit, I need to learn how to add. Like I got to, you know, I got a bill to pay or whatever, something, something comes up where that you have to figure out how to do it. And then you'd have no choice. You have to figure out how to do it. And then that's when you learn it, you know? So it's something's always going to come up in life where it's like, okay, well now I have to learn this. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to move forward. So yeah. Well, I think as an adult, I definitely recognize there's been a ton of situations where something like in high school or middle school where I fucking hated that I've had to overcome and learn. And I find when I have to do it, I'm decent at it. And I can at least get by in that situation. I do have a question. When, when you say unschooling, are you talking about mm-hmm. starting from homeschooling? Or are you talking about somebody that's been to school and now you're unschooling them from having been there? I think the term comes from the idea of like your mindset to like get out of the school mindset as like parents. Um, Cause I mean, I was, I, I'm pretty sure, but tech basically it just means not schooling. Okay. You know, so you just kind of live life and learn, you know, through living. And what did your family think about you homeschooling? Like, do they ever have anything to say about it? Um, they're fine with it. Um, I mean, they'll crack the occasional joke here and there, like, Oh, your kid's going to be weird or, you know, whatever. But for the most part, they, they seem fine with it. Is there anybody? It's not something we talk about that much, but. Is there anybody in your family or friends or just in general that kind of criticize you for homeschooling your kids? No, I, I think it's kind of more in my mind than anything. Like I kind of get nervous when I'm talking to somebody and like we like, Cause school just kind of gets brought up like, Oh, your kid's starting school. And you just kind of, that's just such a normal part of people's lives that mm-hmm. I, sometimes I get nervous, like telling somebody, Oh, we're actually homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And like, I think they're going to think it's weird or something, but so far everybody's just been, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, why are you doing that? Or, Oh, that's really cool that you're doing it. I could never do it. You know, like that yeah. those kind of comments. So, so far everybody's been pretty supportive, especially now, like after COVID, I feel like it's, a lot less taboo. Mm. When when did you decide to homeschool your kids? Like what was the defining moment where you're like, okay, I can do this and I'm going to do this? Um so when my oldest was born, I think we originally thought that they were gonna that he was gonna go to like mm-hmm. a traditional school because we moved to a place with a kind of a crappy school system. But we we're like, oh who cares? It's just elementary school like they just learn the abcs and whatever um but then i think it was probably when we started getting me and my husband started getting more into like anti-status like anarchist philosophy and principles and kind of recognizing the public school for what it was um and then also like just thinking more about different ways people learn Mm -hmm. it was kind of a, I don't know, I saw a YouTube video, I don't remember what it was, but it kind of broke down the history of like the traditional school system and how like just antithetical to like human nature and like learning it is. And I'm just like, I don't know, I don't, I'm lucky enough to be a stay at home mom anyway. So for me, it's not a huge change to be home with my kids to homeschool them. 
So it was kind of an easy decision for us. And because we were living in kind of like a crappy school district, it was like, oh, okay, let's just homeschool then. And we've moved since then. So now we're technically in a better school district, but we still just are going to stick with homeschooling for now. Uh, Okay, lads. uh, Sorry to dip early, but I got to get out of here. I've got Nathan's stuff to do. All right. And I'll say it was really nice talking to you and getting to meet you. Anyways, thank thank you for listening. Uh, Our sponsor this week is Advanced Warfighting Solutions. We're not ending this fucking podcast, Nathan. I know. I do it in the middle. That's the hook. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you you fucked it up now. I can't do it. Advanced (laughs) Warfighting Solutions. Their belts are great. Their SMU belt is fantastic. Um, and applied gear, also great belts. Is it worth it? Every day, yes, you're worth it. Yes, yes, you're worth it, L'Oreal. <laughs> okay, okay. Cheers, guys. Bye, Nathan. Bye. So, did you and your husband come to the kind of anti-state anarchist philosophy together, or was one person kind of already into it and then? The other kind of got into it or how did that all work? Um, he was always like pretty libertarian. At least when I met him, he kind of leaned libertarian, but kind of just like your vanilla, you know, socially liberal, fiscally conservative libertarian. And I was always pretty liberal. Um, like my family was like pretty s- typical Democrats and, And then, um, I mean, talking to him and hanging out with him more, like I kind of started understanding libertarianism a little bit more, like I never really knew what it was before that. Um, And then like during the presidential campaign of Hillary versus Trump, I was like, I never liked Hillary Clinton anyway. And I couldn't bring myself to like Donald Trump. So that's when I started really getting into libertarianism, like the libertarian party and stuff. And then from there, just like learning more about the philosophy, reading like different libertarian theorists and um, economists and actually learning economics. Like I never really knew much about economics um, before, you know, like in high school, I never learned economics or anything like that. So getting more into that and just getting more into the theory of it, it just started to click. And it was pretty quickly after just like discovering libertarianism for me that I just like went straight to like the anarchist so point of view and it just like all kind of made sense to me well everybody always talks about like the like the journey to like being an anarchist you start out as like left or right then you're like oh this is fucking stupid but i could never be on the right (laughs) oh libertarians that's kind of like pretty you know like centrist or like you know it has Mm -hmm. good things on both sides and then you start (laughs) you become like a minarchist and then an anarchist, mm-hmm. and then you stay there because you're just like, yeah, yeah, this is all fucking bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like, the, what's that that saying? It's like the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist is six months. You know, because like once you once you learn the philosophy and you take like the logical conclusion to the end, it's like you, there's no room for any state at all. So it's just, yeah. It always comes down to morality for me whenever I'm having a mm-hmm. discussion with somebody about it. And it's very rare that I can find somebody on the left or the right that will actually like entertain the discussion without turning it into like an argument. And I always, whenever they turn it into an argument, that's kind of when I stop 
when they start like mm-hmm. insulting and like name calling, I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to continue this. <laughs> you know, like I, I want to have yeah. like a discussion with somebody about it. Um, it's always, it's always, it always comes down to morality and they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll always admit it too. It's kind of funny. They're like, well, yeah, that's it's probably the more moral way to go about things, but you, <laughs> we can't do it like that. Sometimes you have to do like this. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, if, yeah. if we don't have morality, then what do we have? If we don't live right, by exactly. morality. For me, it is. Yeah. The argument for me always comes down to like the individual versus the collective. Like all the arguments always end up coming to the other person believing that you got to do what's best for everybody, you know, like the kind of utilitarian. And then for me, it's like, okay, but individuals are the only ones with rights. Like you, so it's like, if you, it's, it's like the same reason for me, it's like with prisons, if you're like, Oh, I'd rather, what's the saying? I'd rather have um, a guilty man go free than an innocent one, you know, locked up. Mm. It's the same for like the collective for me. Like I'd rather, like this is probably might sound bad. I don't know, but I'd rather have the collective not be perfect than to like squash the, you know, the Liberty of an individual, like, cause the only thing, if you believe in rights, the only, the basic, the, the basic right is that of the individual body autonomy, you know? So everything else stems from there. And when it comes to the collective, I find individuals will go out of their way if they want to, to help the collective. And, yeah. and you have that choice just because I, I heard it discussed by, I think it was Pat, Pat Watson from Uncensored Tactical. I think he said mm-hmm. it. If Pat, I know you're listening to this. If, if I'm misquoting you or you never said this, I'm sorry. But I think <laughs> it was Pat when he said um, somebody told him that he had no compassion for people. Um, oh, because yeah. he wants, you know, he doesn't want to pay taxes to support anything, including like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, welfare. And he, and somebody told me right. I had no compassion. And his response was, there's no compassion in somebody forcibly taking my money and giving it to somebody who may or may not need it. There is compassion mm-hmm. in me voluntarily deciding, hey, this person needs help. I'm going to help them. And that's something mm-hmm. that has stuck with me for a really ever since I heard it. I always mm-hmm. I always try and bring that up to folks where it's like the Robin Hood mentality. It's still stealing. I understand they're right. rich. I understand you don't like them. And maybe they did mm-hmm. shady things to obtain that money. Sure. But you going and taking it and giving it to people is still stealing. If I if I went into your house right now, Bree, took your money, took your food. And then went and gave it to homeless people. Sure, I did a good thing, but I stole from you. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that comes down to people just don't understand what the state is. You know, they just think it's like a human rights organization that just is there to help people, but it's actually the opposite. And they don't understand that the only way the state can exist is by stealing and using coercion and violence. Well, that looming threat of violence is what makes the state what it is. If yeah. if you want to voluntarily participate in something, by all means. If you want to voluntarily mm-hmm. continue what is currently going on in America, do it. I ha- I don't care. <laughs> the mm-hmm. problem is when there's a looming threat of violence for me to have to participate. That's the problem that mm-hmm. I have. 
Um, yeah, exactly. It's so strange when you tell people that you can have whatever political system you want, so long as I don't have to participate if I don't want to. That's right. like mind blowing to them. They're like, well, nobody would participate. And I'm like, well, if it's important, people will do it. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's in people's best. Like people always say, well, oh, you're just being selfish, but it's like, it is in everybody's self interest for the most part to want to help each other. Like life is so much easier when people get together to cooperate. You know, everybody has different skills and different wants and needs and desires. So if, when they come together, they do like peacefully cooperate and they can get shit done. Like you don't need to force it onto somebody. If you need to force it, then you got to rethink if it's even something that they want. Well, and a little subtle self brag about myself and during COVID, I was very well off during COVID. I was still getting paid. Mm -hmm. I actually started making more money during COVID because I was able to work more and do more things. I was very well mm -hmm. off. Me and my wife were very, very well off, but we knew our neighbors. They weren't, they were out of job. They weren't being paid. They still had rent. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we would do every I don't, we didn't have like a schedule with it. It was just kind of like whenever we could, we would just make food and just kindly offer. Be like, oh, hey, we made this pot of like yeah. stew. Like, mm -hmm. do you want some stew? Like, you can have it. Um, yeah. And just kind of doing little things like that. People, it's not just me that'll do that. I'm not some self righteous person that I'm the only one that's doing <laughs> shit like that. Like, people right. all mm -hmm. over will do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even the amount of like, nonprofits that there are there's like if you think of any cause that you're interested in you will find like dozens of charities out there that are already like voluntarily getting people to help so it's like it's i don't understand why it's so hard for people to believe that people will voluntarily help each other people raised close to thirteen thousand dollars to help me pay for my dog i paid the other oh, seven or eight amazing. thousand but people mm -hmm. did that for me and i'm i am so yeah. grateful for it but people mm -hmm. will help yeah, absolutely. Um, and if they don't, that's their choice. Like I don't, I have no negative feelings towards anybody who mm -hmm. looked at me raising money for a dog and was like, no, nah, fuck that guy. Like <laughs> I have no <laughs> negative feelings towards anybody that may or may not have done that. But right. the fact that people help that much, it's, it's really heartwarming and special to me because now I have my dog. She's sitting right next to me and she's yes. fucking perfect. But oh. people will help if they want to and things will get yeah. done and you'll have significantly more money if you're not paying 16.25 percent of capital <laughs> gains tax exactly yeah. shit that you're doing in life it's just right. it's a strange thing that i yeah i kind of understand because we i think we were all there at one point you know so i i do mm -hmm. understand oh yeah it's just yeah and i think most most people have Obviously, they have good intentions, like Absolutely. the people who worry about like everybody who's on food stamps and other types of welfare. Like, I totally get that. Like, I grew up on welfare and, you know, I was on food stamps after college. And like, I, like I understand that need to, you know, thinking that if you just take away the state, then all of a sudden these people will, you know, won't get help. But at the same time, I think people think that way if to bring this back to schooling you know with generations of people going to school in these obviously state-sponsored schools like they are like from the state is creating them and creating the curriculums and using stolen money and like everything and you have to say the pledge of allegiance every morning like people think the state is a force of good because that's what we've been taught forever and that's honestly you know one of the main reasons why we're not going to send our kids to a public school because 
I don't want my kids to think grow up thinking that stealing from people is okay as long as you're giving it to somebody else to help them or whatever. So I think, you know, with generations of people thinking the state is one thing, it kind of leads to this insane, like everybody feels like they're entitled to somebody else's stuff. Well, and that's just it. It's, well, if you don't pay taxes and how is this going to happen? Well, maybe it won't, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, maybe it won't, but the way that I've always seen it, if it's important, people will want to pay for it voluntarily. And you're going mm-hmm. to have people that don't pay for anything that maybe still use, you know, shit. Maybe people still use yeah. the fucking roads like that everybody always talks about. The roads are not <laughs> road. going to disappear. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and who knows, like, what we would have, like, road-wise or, like, vehicle-wise, like, had we not, have we not, like, had the state controlling it all. Because if you think about like other industries that the state does not have much control over, there's just, they're so innovative. There's like, there's no way like you would have thought like 20 years ago that we'd be having these like cell phones with like everything, you know, calculators and internet. And like, you wouldn't have even imagined that. And then, so who who knows like what something as simple as roads or um, I don't know, schools even anything that the state really has control over who knows like what that would look like today if it hadn't been in the same kind of state apparatus for the past you know 100 years or whatever so is your philosophy and your husband's philosophy 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 on (laughs) you know kind of life morality and just you know anarchist beliefs and all that is that something that you're going to actively like teach your kids or is that something that maybe they'll learn through like how you act and what you do and just how you live your life uh, like how, how does that yeah work? that's kind of yeah because i mean i think you can do the same thing with like indoctrinating your kids to your the beliefs that you live by right like i could sit them down and be like you need to watch this ron paul video and like taxation is theft taxation is theft like you could do that but for me, that's no different than nailing it in, you know, that the state is a good yeah. thing or whatever. So for me, it's like, and that's kind of what my blog is about. It's like, if these principles are important to you, like property rights, non-aggression principle, you know, anti-censorship or whatever, like you just kind of have to live by it. You teach your kids that stealing is wrong, no matter who does it. You know, you just, you know, tell them that they know that they see you, you know, they live life knowing that stealing is wrong. So without having that whole school of this is what government is, like as taught in public school, without having that in their mind, when you finally explain to them like what the government is and what they do, it should just naturally click with them that, oh, they're stealing from somebody. That's not right. You know what I mean? So like you don't have to be like, this yeah taxation is theft you just explain what taxation is you just explain what theft is and that that should click with them just naturally well it is super simple too like it's not like taxation and theft themselves are like not synonymous with each other Mm -hmm. um i i i like i like how you're going about that because i think even though we have these beliefs and in our minds we are like this is the right way this is a moral way Mm -hmm. to go about life I think 
it goes against those beliefs that we have if we force them onto our kids. I think it, it directly yeah. contradicts what we believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I love hearing that it's kind of just you explain it. And if they come to a certain cl- conclusion, then they do. If they don't, then they don't. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm pretty confident, yeah. like you seem to be pretty confident that, I mean, it's pretty simple when you break it down, like, oh, the mm-hmm. government does this. You know that this is wrong already. So yeah. you're going to make the connection that it's wrong. Um, right. And I think with any form of indoctrination, whether it's in homeschool or traditional school, it always comes from the fact that whoever's teaching you is telling you as if it is the truth, no matter what it is. And so, like, for example, during COVID, when everything first started shutting down, like my son would be like, oh, why can't we go to the Lego store? And a lot of people would tell their kids, oh, we can't go to the Lego store because everybody's sick. And so we can't, we can't go because we don't want to get sick. Where for me, it's like, well, no, we can't go to the Lego store because the government is making the people who own the store shut down. And then, you know, he'll ask why. And then you say, well, because there's this virus going around and the government is doing this because, you know, they say they're doing this because they don't want to get people sick. And so you just kind of explain it that way without, or you say like, they think this, or instead of saying, this is what it is, you know, instead of saying it as if it's, this is what is right and what is true. And you seem so confident and I'm glad because I, 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 share that confidence without a kid yet but you seem so confident that if you just are honest and explain it simply for what it is that they will understand and they'll be like Mm -hmm. okay well why are they doing this this is dumb or this this is wrong and i love that confidence because (laughs) it's making me more confident in myself and i don't even have my kid yet i will in a week or two but yeah well, it's, I mean, when you talk to kids too, like once they start talking, it's like, they're so matter of fact about everything that it's just like, oh, okay. Like they're just so like, and like another example is like my son gets into a lot of like existential questions and he'll ask like, what happens when you die? Or like, what happens to your body when you die? And like, I don't know, like, I don't know. Right. So I'll say, oh, I'm not sure. Nobody really knows, but some people believe you go to this place called heaven. Some people believe you just kind of, your body just lays in the ground. Some people think you sleep. Some people think you come back as something else mm-hmm. in a different life. And so you just kind of, instead of saying this is what is true, because yeah. that's how indoctrination happens, you just explain these are the possibilities. We don't really know. Make up your own mind. Like, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing that me and my wife are very adamant about. Neither of us are religious right now. Um, mm-hmm. she grew up very Catholic. I grew up very Christian. Um, I've, I've definitely, um, strayed away from that, but I don't, I don't judge people that are religious much like I don't expect them to judge me. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, but <laughs> we have almost every religious text like major religious texts that exists like yeah. on a bookshelf because at one point in both of our lives we were both very interested in religion we were interested in all the different types of religion and we both read cover to cover like 
everything, everything that was available, mm-hmm. we have it on a bookshelf. And our logic is, well, nice. like if our kid ever asks us about God, we can explain that there are many different people that believe in many mm-hmm. different types of gods and what God is. And, and yeah. they have access to that literature that they can read and judge for themselves. That's yep. something that's super important to both of us growing up very religious and being told mm-hmm. this is the way, no matter what. Um, yeah, that's same with me. Like I grew up Catholic and like going to Sunday school and stuff like the priest was just so like firm about you have to give this much money of your income to the church. And mm-hmm. if you do this, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this. And it's just like and if you ever questioned it, like it was like, like, how dare you question yeah. this? And for me, that just never sat right. I'm like, oh, that's like, that's if you're like, if you, if this is, if this, if God is good and these rules are for a reason, then there should be a good reason for mm-hmm. it. You should be able to explain it. And so, yeah, like, I mean, I'm not religious. I mean, I believe in God and I have some spiritual beliefs, but nothing like super strict or anything. And, yeah, if my kid, like we have a children's Bible that my son looks at sometimes and it's like some of the stories are really cool and interesting mm-hmm. and have good, you know, lessons behind them. And if you ever, you know, wanted to learn about like Islam or, you know, Judaism or anything, it's like, yeah, great. I'll, I'd love to learn about it with yeah. you. Like, that would, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny, two or three years, I've been married for over five years now, but two or three years ago, my pastor from when I was a, like a young kid, like an altar boy, I think I stopped being an altar boy and stopped going to church after my senior year of high school. So I was probably like 16 or 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, he, he called me like two, two or three years ago after I was already married. I was like, Hey, I heard you got married. Why didn't you come to the church for approval? (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, well, (laughs) sorry, uh, pastor Nelson. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and i believe he has good intentions like most yeah. most people have great intentions mm-hmm. um and he was like well you got married without the church's approval and i'm like yeah <laughs> sorry and then i kind of like explained oh. to him like yeah, i don't really believe in god necessarily anymore um and he was like oh well what do you believe and i'm like i don't have any like i don't have any thoughts about mm-hmm. it like i don't know what happens mm-hmm. i've accepted i don't know what happens it's fine um, yeah. He was like, well, I have, he, he was super smart in school. Well, we're talking about homeschooling. I'm describing degrees as somebody classifying as somebody super smart. He has a lot of degrees <laughs> in science, like masters and science and hmm. theory and all this other stuff. And he was talking to me about it. He's like, oh, so you're like an atheist. And I'm like, no, I just don't like in that. And I learned what agnostic was from him because I didn't know. Oh, okay. I yeah. was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily care like i'll find out when i die and if i did yeah, pray right. to the right god <laughs> and i go to hell because of it i mean you know yeah. there's so many to <laughs> choose from um yeah <laughs> and it yeah, was just exactly. uh, I, I was showing my wife because he started to text me and i'm like hey so i guess like our marriage isn't valid in the church's eyes <laughs> uh, oh. it was just funny but i still want to teach yeah. my kid like about religion I think it's super yeah. interesting and it's going to be a part of their life 
if they right. you know, when they're an adult because people are religious it's going to be a thing i don't want them mm-hmm. to be 30 years old and have somebody come up to them that's like super christian and be like oh so like do you believe in god and they're like what's god you know like i want <laughs> yeah i want them to know right. going into being an adult yeah exactly like we live really close to a really cool church that's like people come from like all over the state to come see it and my son looks at it, he's like, oh, that looks like a Harry Potter castle. And he thinks it's yeah. so cool. And like the cool thing about homeschooling is like we could just like take a field trip there yeah. and just go look at it and like learn about it. I'm sure like the priest or whoever is there would love to like yeah. tell you about it. Would. Like so like and like if you're going to a state school, that's like a big oh, no, yeah. no. Like there's no yeah. way in heck that they, they could do that. do that. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. Like to be able to. And like, especially if, you know, since we are going to be homeschooling, a lot of homeschoolers are religious. So if we do like a homeschooling co-op and you meet with other homeschoolers, a lot of them are going to be religious and probably talk about it and do prayers and stuff. And like my kids are going to have questions about it. Then that's like a great learning opportunity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, It's it's so awesome to hear how you're going about it. Cause I, 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 I'm nobody to judge how anybody parents or you know, schools, mm-hmm. but Hey, fooey that it's your mother. Relax. <laughs> I don't know if you heard my dog. <laughs> You're okay. Wife. Um, what was I saying? It's so, Oh, I'm super glad to hear that's how you're going about it because that is, I mean, it's how I would go about it and I'm nobody to judge anybody. I mean, however you raise your kids is how you raise your kids, but the mm-hmm. way that you're going about it seems so genuine and in their best interest, as opposed to what you're interested in and how you want them to be. It's more, let them just grow up and be a kid. And then Thank you. Yeah. Adult. It's, it's cool. Cause like when you have kids, they are like, they're just born with certain personalities and they're just like, like all of a sudden their own little person. And it's like, why on earth would you want to squander that by trying to fit them in a box? Like who knows what they are capable of when you can just like let them learn what they want to learn, what they're passionate about and like just allow them to be their authentic selves. Cause you see all the time kids get so excited about going to school when they first start. And then like a couple years later, they hate it. Yeah, They're like, and they no longer enjoy learning. And it's like, I'd never want that for my kids. Like they're already so curious about everything. Like I want that to never go away because there's so much to learn that they, you know, I want them to be able to do that, you know, for their entire lives. So I have, this is kind of off topic, but I, I kind of have a, a theory. When, when do you think kids like have a conscious, like they're aware like of what they are and like life in general because i feel like when i was a kid like up until a certain age i was just like i wasn't thinking i was just doing shit you know (laughs) right my brain was probably working but like i wasn't consciously like thinking about shit it was just like um yeah you're just you guys start out just being instinctual yeah like when do you think that conscious hints and did you ever like see a moment where you're like oh like my kid is like now a like a person you know like they're Mm -hmm. no longer just like a little bag of shit puke and other stuff (laughs) yeah i think it's this is gonna sound so cheesy but it's like when they first like start smiling Mm -hmm. and like giggling because it's like 
you're just being goofy, like sticking your tongue out at them or just making silly sounds. And then they find that funny. It's like, why on earth do they find that funny? You know? And it's just, it's because before that, they just kind of stare at you and like cry and you know, whatever. But then as soon as they start smiling, that's like kind of an interaction that Mm -hmm. you never, it's like a new interaction. And it's like, then you start to try to do things that make them smile. And so you try to find things that make them happy and then once they start kind of moving on their own and like you can see like them trying to get go for something that they want. So and it's actually I feel like it's pretty young. I, I think I read somewhere that you you start like learning like you start reasons, like reasoning skills at like around the age of two. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I think that's kind of when you start getting the kids who like are curious about things and like that's why they're always getting into things. You know, you hear the terrible twos because they're always like getting into everything and just wanting to test boundaries and figure out stuff. You know, they just, they're just so curious about life. Um, and then once they start talking is when you like, you start learning more about like what they're interested in. And then that's when it starts to get fun. Hmm. I, I try and think of like when I became conscious, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was like five or six where I was like, Holy well, I shit, think they say like you, me. you start remember, like you start making long-term memories like around four. Okay. So like it's most people don't remember much before the age of yeah. four, you know? Yeah. That's just something that's so interesting to me. Like I'm, I'm going to have a little girl and mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, obviously I feel a lot of things, but I feel like there's going to be mm-hmm. a moment where I look at her and she looks at me and I'm like, Holy shit, that's a fucking person. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Well, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like after I had my first kid at the hospital, I'm like, so you guys are just going to like, let me go home with this baby. (laughs) I I don't know what I'm doing. Are you sure? Like, can I, I could just take this baby home. Mm -hmm. Like, it was so weird to think that all of a sudden you had no baby. And then all of a sudden there's this whole human that you have to take care of. Mm -hmm. It is such a surreal experience, but you, I mean, it's so people it's like instincts like you you know what you're doing yeah i mean you don't know what you're doing but it's like so instinctual that like how quickly it becomes how quickly you get used to it and please correct me if i'm wrong i feel like it is much simpler than people think it is like it's yeah i mean it's i don't know if it's i mean it's simple in that kids young kids especially only have so many needs mm-hmm. and it's kind of easy to sometimes it's hard to figure it out because they'll have gas and you're like why are you why are you crying yeah. like i just fed you i don't know you know what's going on it's kind of hard to figure it out but yeah i mean for me it was like like for example when i went from one kid to two kids i was so nervous and so scared that it was going to be like so overwhelming and it was it was hard but it wasn't nearly as hard as i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, maybe not. I don't. I don't want to say simple and have that kind of mean easy because I don't think it's easy. Yeah, right. I think the simple things can be difficult. You know, like yeah. trying to figure out why because that's how a baby communicates. Like they're not necessarily upset about something; they're just trying to communicate. Like, hey, I need fucking right. food. You know? Yeah, exactly. Present the fucking titty. I need something. Yeah, um, exactly. Or you know, yeah. hey, I'm about to shit my pants and. I need like a clean <laughs> diaper because there's already shit in it, you know. Like that's just yeah, how they right. communicate, and I feel yeah, I 
like that's complicated. Like you said, like, cause you don't always know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that could yeah. be stressful for you because you want to know, like <laughs> you yeah. want to like help, like communicate with your kid. And you're like, if you could just fucking tell me, like, I'll do it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What, I will fucking do it for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is like, I, that's such a good mindset to go into with parenting. Cause I don't think I had that mindset before I had my first kid. It was like, it's just like, I tried reading books and learning about stuff, but I don't know. It's, Cause it is difficult. It's, it's like such a weird time too. like, what do you think about the newborn stage? And mm. there's, you have to, you have to do everything from like supporting their head to feeding them constantly and changing their diaper and holding them all the time. That for me, when I had my first, I was like, so relieved when the newborn stain stage was over. So I was like, okay, good. You can hold up your own head now. That's one less thing to worry about. Um, just opens but, the door for yeah. so much other shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I know. And then like you have your kid and you're like, oh, I can't wait till you start crawling. And then they're crawling everywhere. And like, oh my gosh, I can't keep track of you. And then they start walking. It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to run into the street. Mm. So yeah, I mean, with every stage, it's there's blessings and more difficulties. And I feel... But it's such a, it's such a fun journey. It sounds so stressful when they can walk. Because you're <laughs> like, don't walk in the fucking road. <laughs> You know, yeah, but you yeah. can't watch them twenty four seven. Like they're going to have moments growing up where they're on their own, even if it's only for a couple seconds. But in those couple mm-hmm. seconds, like that's when some shit's gonna happen. I know. Um, yeah. That one thing that I really value that my parents did that I when I tell people this happened with me, people tell me that's like child abuse and I don't understand it. When I was like three or four years old my stepfather gave me an unloaded 22 rifle. I was like, this is yours. And I didn't understand gun safety at that point. But in that moment, yeah. like he handed it to me, I would do something wrong and he would show me. He's like, nope, you don't do that. Finger on the trigger, never. This is the safety. It was unloaded. Like I never had bullets. Yeah. Like I never had anything. I just had the sure. rifle. And he showed me how to properly handle it. And then after like a week of like it just being in my room and being like normal around me and me understanding like, mm-hmm. hey, you don't put your finger on the trigger. Like as a three or four year old, he brought me mm-hmm. out, loaded it up and taught me how to shoot it. And then he didn't give me ammo after that. Like I didn't just get to keep ammo until I was like right. a, a teenager. And that was like another big thing for me. But mm-hmm. at that young age, because guns are in the house, they were always going to be in the house. And sometimes yeah. like I, I don't lock my guns up. Um, um, what's the point if I ever need to use them, I need to go do a fucking safety. Right. Get them. Like, no. Um, <laughs> but that's something I value so much because it taught me more about the gun. It yeah. was like responsibility. Like I'm three or four years old and I have this responsibility of a gun, no bullets. So yeah. like, it's just essentially some metal and wood, but yeah, understanding, safety and how to do that. It taught me so much more about responsibility and so yeah, much more that's great. Guns. And people, yes, people try to tell me that like I was abused as a child because of that, and I'm like, what? No, I do not understand how. I don't either. I don't either <laughs> at all. And I don't want to get my family in trouble because I, lo- I'm so grateful that happened with me. Yeah, that sounds great. And especially like kids want responsibility, like, and they kind of need it. Like you got it. Like, for, this is gonna sound like way dumb compared to your responsibility but like my son i'm like okay you have a phone like he has my old phone that he can play games Mm -hmm. on if he wants 
I'm like, that phone is your responsibility. So if you want to play it, you got to make sure it's charged. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, they like it's it's you want to teach them that things that that is theirs that they need that's their responsibility like if you have pets teach them how to feed the pets you know especially if they are the ones who wanted the pets you know it's like okay we can get it but you got to help with it so and especially with guns it's like if there are going to be guns in the house why wouldn't you want you would think you would want your kid the same like if you had a swimming pool once you want to teach your kid, exactly you know swimming safety as soon as possible as soon as you feel they are competent enough and i mean obviously we all know a three and a four-year-old isn't very competent but you can teach them safety for their own safety yeah and i don't know some people yeah that makes sense to me people will be like oh you're 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 an irresponsible parent you know why does a three or four-year-old need to know how to swim if they go into the pool that means you're not watching them or same thing with a gun but i'm so grateful i mean we had my my family had a swimming pool too and i learned how to swim at a very young age too and something mm-hmm. i'm grateful for i see people like jumping into water and like plugging their nose I'm like hot yeah. fucking loser <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah i don't know it's like just basic things like yeah. Uh, it, yeah it's for their safety like teaching a kid how to swim yeah it's not abuse it's hey you might fall into water one day i don't want yeah, you to drown exactly hey you might yeah. come across a gun one day here's how to safely handle a firearm especially right. because they're going to be in the house. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I feel like if I made them taboo for my daughter, like she would just grow up like being like kind of like that rebellious teen. That's like, Oh, I was told I'm not allowed to touch the fucking guns. So when mm-hmm. mom and dad aren't home, I'm going to go find the fucking guns. And then an accident happens. And I, I, I can't imagine that. So gun safety because guns are in the house. I feel like is so important as soon as. Yeah. Competent. Yeah, I agree. When, when you, cause you're, you, you said your oldest son is five mm-hmm. and he's starting kindergarten soon. Well, mm-hmm. kindergarten. Um, yeah. How are you going to like introduce school? Like your version of school to him, or is it going to be school or is it going to be like an informal, like, Hey, we're just going to like learn shit. It was just going to be, we're just going to learn shit and like not really say much about school but he's lately been like because like in tv shows and movies like school is such a big part of like all these kids lives that he's like oh i want to go to school and you know i want to meet my friends and i'm just like okay but so i'm like well we'll do school at home you know so i try to make it fun like i'll be your teacher and because he wants to try school so for me now i'm like okay well we'll do school but we'll do it at home and so we'll I think the first week of September, we're going to start doing a little, like just structuring the day a little bit more. So it's still going to be like, if we're do if we're working on something for school, it'll be for like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. because you know, his attention span isn't that long anyway. And like, he doesn't need to be sitting down for like an hour learning something. Um, So that's why I'm doing it for him because he wants to go to school. And luckily there's a school nearby. It's like on a campground. It's, like a private school, but it's specifically for homeschoolers. So once he's in first grade, we're going to start doing that once a week where he goes, he actually goes to a school and he can like socialize and learn things. And like, like their, um, their values are very similar to ours. So it's like the perfect opportunity for him to like go to a school, but still be homeschooled. And then he can like hang out with other homeschooled kids. 
So for that, like, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to that for him, for his sake. So he can actually do a more like school setting, even though it's a very non-traditional right. school. So what if he came to you after like that first week of September? It's like, no, mom, I want to go to like real school. Like I want to go to school. And he has said that before. And I just tell him like, well, when you're older, you know, you can like once you're old enough to make that decision for yourself, you like you definitely, if that's what you want to do, you can. So like that decision point, cause that's something that I think about often with my daughter and like mm -hmm. sports, cause I want her to play yeah. soccer. I'm going to put her in Academy when she's young. Yeah. When do you think you'll be like, okay, you're old enough to make this decision? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I honestly, I think it's going to be different for each kid too. Cause everybody's so different and has like, different like I don't know cognitive abilities to make decisions at different ages I don't think it's the same for everybody so I think I'm just, we're just gonna kind of play it out and wing it <laughs> I really don't know so I mean my oldest is pretty mature for his age so I wouldn't be surprised if it's like younger than like like around maybe middle school or something I don't know and do you think but, that you'll be able to be unbiased when you hear like something like that and be like, okay, you're actually old enough now. Or do you think there will be like a couple years where you're still like, but it, but like maybe they are completely competent, but you'll mm -hmm. have this bias against it and be like, eh, no, that's something I worry about. Yeah. I like to think that I would be like open to just letting him do it. Cause like, like I said before, I am a very lax parent. Like we really don't have any rules in the house other than like don't hurt each other don't take things from each other so kind of thing how, how society should be yeah exactly <laughs> so i mean i like i mean because yeah and that's the thing too it's like whatever you decide to do for school it's not permanent like you can always change your mind like for homeschooling if it just doesn't work out we all hate it and we're sick of seeing each other all the time like fine we'll send you to school if he goes if he's homeschooled through elementary school wants to try traditional school and then he's doing it for a while and he doesn't like it we'll take him out like it's not something that it's like such a people put so much weight on the decision like it's permanent right you know and it's like no you can change your mind you know hmm. well we're kind of approaching like an hour and a half but i do have one more question for okay. you and kind of sure what's something that you like if you had something to say to people that are like against homeschooling or on the fence even what what's something that you can say to almost like convince them or open their minds to it because i'm sure a lot of people listening have very strong beliefs about school and mm -hmm. homeschooling too you're somebody that's doing it and wants to continue to do it what's your argument for it um i think for me what I would, because it's kind of hard because so many people have so many different reasons for why they don't homeschool or why they're against it. But I think the main one is if you, I think I mentioned this earlier, if you think about from the time your child is born to the time they start school and how much they learned just by observing and playing and hanging out with family, like they learn so much on their own without sitting down in a traditional school. So if you, if you just try to extend that a little bit further, we don't know, like who knows what the potential is for them to learn. 
because you would think, oh, you just have to start them first grade, they start school. Well, then you don't know what they could have been doing outside of that. So that's probably for like, that's probably what I would say to most people for like a, on a broad spectrum, but there's so many people who have different reasons for homeschooling, for not homeschooling. I think the most common one I hear is, well, we work, so we can't do it or we can't afford it. So I don't know. There's, there's many reasons, but I think you just got to, people, you'll learn, you learn things without sitting in front of a textbook or in front of a lecture. That's life. <laughs> I agree. Um, I do have my, not skepticism, my own reservations for not to do it. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is something that I am heavily, heavily considering and something that I have brought up with my wife before. Mm -hmm. My latest thing with my wife, because I go through little phases, my latest thing with my wife is that I want to be a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I would love to be a stay-at-home dad. Oh, yeah. But we'll see if we're in a position where we can make that happen. Um, mm -hmm. Most important thing that we're doing right now, we're becoming debt-free. And the only debts that we have is our vehicles. And uh, no. we have pretty reasonable vehicles like for where we are. Um, we try and live below our means while putting mm -hmm. money towards, uh, like, a, I, I already have a crypto account for my daughter, and she's not even born yet. Nice. <laughs> um, I think like, you know, in 18 years, I can present that to her and be like, hey, I put like a couple hundred bucks in this every so often. And I don't know what it's worth now, but I'm sure, you know, it's worth something. Um, yeah, absolutely. So doing little things like that. And eventually when I get out of the fucking military, um, I want to buy a farm somewhere and she can do because she has a good degree. She's smart. She wants to do stuff in biology. She can go do oh, that, nice. make money like that. I can make money doing social media stuff. But essentially, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad just doing farming stuff, <laughs> hanging out with my that kids. That sounds awesome. And I would love – I don't know if she would trust me to homeschool them by myself. But, <laughs> you know. Well, you can always hire tutors. Yeah. We need to. can bring to. other people in. But I, I, yeah. would, I would love it because I fucking hate going out in public anyway. But – yeah. Hanging out on the farm. <laughs> See, that's I'm the same way. Yeah. Yep. Hanging out. and you got a garden going, and that's great. I love seeing the garden. Yeah. Post. You posted a story, yeah. and it it resonated me. Like I said, I I don't even have a kid yet, but you made a story post the other day. It was your kid like out in the garden, and you're like, I feel like <laughs> a bird is just is gonna swoop down yeah. and snatch him. And I'm like, oh, holy yeah. fuck! I feel like yeah. if I my my kid gets like 20 feet away from me, I'm like, some random fucking shit's gonna happen to like my kid right now, you know. I know. And we have like hawks all over. Like I just, I see them flying all over and like hear them squeaking around. And I'm just like, Oh my God, they're going to go snatch my baby. <laughs> Dude, so before we go, are you getting into guns a little bit more? I remember we kind of talked about it a while ago as something that you're kind of getting into. I want to. So like this whole thing with like the garden and stuff is just like, I just want to be more self-sufficient in general. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's going to include security then, mm -hmm. especially because one, I'm, I'm not going to call the cops like for anything really. And if I ever did, we're so far out that it would take forever for well, the cops yeah, to get you, here anyway. You're call them for to write a report about what already happened. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I definitely want 
to learn more and like try out different firearms and see what I like, especially for like concealed carrying. Like when I'm out with the kids by myself, Mm -hmm. like if we go into Milwaukee, you know, there's carjackings all the time and whatever. So it's like, yeah, I want to be able to protect my kids, obviously. So that's, I think for me, a concealed carry is something that I really need to start learning because we have like a rifle for the house, like security, but I definitely want to learn more. Is your husband into guns? Um, he would, he would like go hunting and stuff as a kid. And like, he would go shooting with some friends, but he's not like a huge gun nut or anything. Mm-hmm. But like when we went shooting, like he was really good at it, yeah. <laughs> which was surprising for me, but yeah, he was really good at it. So, and he, I think he definitely wants to learn more too. I think something that I, whenever I'm introducing new shooters, if you care to, you know, take my advice or not, yeah. I say go fuck it. Yeah. Get a 22 and just go have mm-hmm. fun. Plink steel. It is, you hit steel with that little 22, you hear that little ding, and you're like, <laughs> holy fuck, this is fun as shit. Yeah. And then it, nice. it's a nice gun to have around a garden. I don't know if you have like oh. shit that comes around and fucks with your garden, but in New York, we had oh, yeah. a ton of shit come and fuck with our garden. So we would have to go out <laughs> or, for example, squirrels. We I grew up on a, on a wooden house. Um, yeah. And squirrels would just run around. You hear them all fucking morning. So we would just go out with a little 22 and that was like our morning. And it was, right, yeah. you know, we're killing squirrels, but we're not just like killing them just to kill them. We'd kill them, skin them, um, make like stew or grill it and yeah. be tasty. But a yeah. little 22 can do so much for you and change your perspective on, well, not change your, but you, you don't need your perspective change, just kind of like a good introduction. And Yeah, for sure. That, that, yeah, that would be great. Um, it's funny that you're saying that right now because I'm watching this deer right now right next to my garden i'm like don't try jumping that fence girl we had a deer uh we built like a 10 foot high fence because deer would just constantly <laughs> fuck with our shit a deer tried to somehow flipped got its neck stuck oh, in the fence <gasps> and like broke oh, its goodness. neck and was just like hanging its holy shit yeah it was sad but like oh, my gosh. i mean go yeah. fuck yourself stop fucking with my crops <laughs> right um, <laughs> Yeah, it's I've, I've come attached to my deer, though, because it's like a mama and her two babies. Oh, and so I just like love seeing them. You know, yeah, I love seeing yeah. them every day. And when I don't see them for a few days, I get worried. There's there's a way to keep them away from your garden. Like if you plant like things that, that don't taste good to them, like dandelions, I think deer don't fucking like. Yeah. And it kind of like is like, oh, OK, there's no food over here, even though. Right. Gotten... Right. That's that's what I'm going to focus on next year for the garden is like planting like companion planting but then also like plants that like on the border to like keep pests away because yeah. we have so many little bugs that just get some chickens are awful i know that's what we want to get to those ch- and yeah. put them near the garden they'll fuck up yeah. those pests right yeah. like eat all my japanese beetles that would be great mm. well it was great having you on um thank you it was so much fun yeah, no this was definitely uh a pleasure to have a, some people will probably be like oh it's too because nathan is usually the energy of the fucking podcast They're like <laughs> oh two monotone people just talking about like homeschooling shit <laughs> right <laughs> but i i i had a lot of fun and i do this podcast just to have a lot of fucking fun and meet new people so um nice love it it was it was a pleasure having you on uh, the floor is yours talk about yourself what you got going on talk about your blog don't be fucking shy talk about brag about oh yeah so i just started this blog um modern times parenting 
it's at moderntimesparenting.com. Um, and then it's also on Instagram, modern, modern times parenting. Um, the little, a little backstory is like modern times was a little colony, um, right before the civil war by, uh, it was created by Josiah Warren, who is named the first American anarchist. And there was this little town called modern times where it was a little anarchist utopia, essentially, where they had no cops, they had no legislation, um, no rules, essentially, you just kind of worked and traded and you just lived life and they were successful for I think it was like 10 years no crime nothing and then of course the civil war happened so you know that kind of fucked everything up but for that those 10 years they were crime free living life didn't have any rules really Um, and so I kind of wanted to apply that idea to parenting where you just kind of go with the flow you don't you're not too strict with the kids it's more about your relationship with the kids than trying to control them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the blog is essentially just applying those, you know, that kind of idea to parenting, but then also extending that to like libertarianism with the non-aggression principle property. I have a blog post coming out next week about kids and their property rights and how to, you know, respect their rights in that sense. Um, so yeah, so that's Modern Times Parenting. Hopefully once I get like a decent amount written for that, I can start kind of putting it together as a book potentially. Um, right now it's just kind of all over the place. So the blog is just to kind of help me to put it together better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Lady Voluntary on my Instagram, just posting my thoughts about most things. <laughs> <laughs> Ranting, venting, posting about gardening, oh, yeah. and anti-state propaganda so yeah i love your shirt uh shout out to anthony state the folks are oh yeah i love it <laughs> the folks can't see that but it's just an anthony state yeah. shirt yeah well hey it was a pleasure it was really a pleasure having you on this was very enjoyable conversation and um i'm not too sure when this will go up we are recording a backlog because when my kid's born i feel like i'm not gonna have too much time to be able to do yeah. it so i think we're like four or five episodes ahead um, nice so I'm not sure when this will come out, but when it does, Nathan's going to illustrate you, put you in, we'll do something funny. Sweet. Can't wait. It's like hanging off here or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really a pleasure and I appreciate you coming on. Um, sponsor, check out AWS. They're really cool. And Applied Gear. They're also pretty cool. I don't know how we still have fucking sponsors. I really don't. <laughs> we, we are, our last episode that was published was about hentai. Yeah, I listen to that. Oh, yeah, I forgot you listen. It, it always blows my mind hearing people listen about that. Yeah, <laughs> don't know how we still have sponsors, but we do, <laughs> and they're really cool. So you should check them out. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>